0: Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate you spending some time with the show. Um a judge orders the removal of tents from the Phoenix largest homeless encampment. They call it uh, the zone. And you go down to Cash. you go down to the big service center, and there is, a, there is a place in downtown Phoenix, 12th Avenue, Jefferson, 12th and Madison, that area. When you go down in that part of town, there is a huge area where there is an abundance of services for homeless people, which is why many of them camp down there. Um, I've been down there a number of times. I've toured the facility in the middle of COVID when people couldn't go in buildings. It was it was when I, I had realized how far we had gone with COVID and how crazy it had gotten. Um, it was – and I, I guess it's, this isn't a part of the conversation, but I'm going to make it a part of the conversation. Um, I toured the facilities down there, and I saw um, the different – services that were offered to homeless people. They used to have like a respite center and it was a building where they could go in to get out of the heat in the middle of the day in the summers and it was air conditioned. Um, They had a dining hall. There's a dining hall there from St. Vincent de Paul as well. Um, And so it was a way for people to get out of the heat. And during COVID, you weren't allowed to do that. So here were all of these people that were dying in the heat it was 115 degrees, but they weren't allowed in the air-conditioned building. They had to lay outside on the AstroTurf in what they were hoping would be the shade of the buildings that took it down from 115 to 112, and you couldn't get enough water in people. They were sick. It was, it was so disturbing to see, but there are facilities there for people, and thank God that it's there. Thank God there is uh, the, the opportunity for people to get services but A judge has said that the city has failed to enforce the laws and that they must. They must enforce the laws. There are a couple of things. The city of Phoenix shall maintain its public property in the zone in a condition free of A, tents and other makeshift structures in a public right-of-way, B, biohazardous materials including human feces, urine, drug paraphernalia and other trash, and C, individuals committing offenses against public order, the court states. The city is reviewing the courts ruling remains committed to addressing the needs of all residents and property owners. That is the city spokesperson that said this in an email. We continue to work with local and regional partners to address the complex issues surrounding those experiencing homelessness and connect people in need with safe indoor spaces and resources to help end their homelessness. Blah, 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 blah. Um, they haven't. That's why the business owners filed the lawsuit. That's why people are complaining. Now, I will tell you, I think the city of Phoenix believed that their hands were tied. Okay. now I want them to prove that if the city of Phoenix believed that their hands were tied and there wasn't much that they were able to do because of this federal, this appellate court decision, you now have a judge that has freed you from those constraints. You have a judge that told you you are you are applying this law the wrong way. And this is what you need to do. Now, I am not a go down there, round everybody up in vans and take them to jail. If you've listened to this show long enough, I have a strong connection to homelessness. And I understand that there are people out there. But the problem is complex in how you handle it. But there are some simplicities in this. There are people in the zone and homeless in other places that want to get out circumstances, many times they will admit their own personal circumstances and decisions have put them where they are, but they want out. They want to stop the addiction. They want to stop whatever it is that, that, that got them in trouble to begin with. They want to clean things up. They want a shower. They want a haircut. They want clothing. They want transportation. They want a job. They want to get back into the mainstream of society. Let's round them up and do that. And then there are those that they call service resistant that don't want help. You can't take a dog or a pet with you. If you're a couple, you can't go as a couple in some shelters. You can't use drugs. You can't use alcohol. All of these are rules, and many of these people don't want to follow one or all of those rules, so they would rather stay on the street. Well, you can't do that. So now what? There's prostitution, there are violent crimes. There there are people out there. This is how it is and it's a, it, this is human nature. This isn't this is not um something that is unique to homelessness. You have people threatening and violence is happening because this is my corner. Get off my corner. No, this is my spot. You can't have it. Round up your stuff and get out of my place. And if you don't, you're going to get cut. Or you're going to get damaged. We're going to fight. So that's all illegal. Doing drugs. There's drug paraphernalia in the streets. As they said, human waste in the streets. And the the police have been uh, told not to enforce the laws. Well, now you've created this massive problem that's only getting worse. And now the city is going to have to get the police involved. The Phoenix Police Department, I would imagine the Sheriff's Department, uh, private organizations. We had a great conversation recently with the people from St. Vincent de Paul and talking about – They have a place where it is an invitation shelter. It is not a shelter where you just come in and get a bed for the night. You actually stay there. Uh, You have to be invited in. You can't just line up and come in. But it's people that want to get back out of homelessness and back into housing. And they are doing this all over. There's been a big investment from the city along with private organizations. It's going to be the best way to handle this. But to say that, well, these poor people, and many of them are, they have well, they have either a, a, a mental problem or a drug problem or whatever is going on, so we're going to let them put up tents wherever they want to put up tents and they're going to live in squalor and they're going to live this way and we're going to turn our cheek and we're going to look the other way because we feel sorry for them and it would be insensitive to do anything about it while the businesses around there are so overwhelmed they're losing everything. That's not fair either. The city of Phoenix is going to have to now do something, and it's a shame that it took a judge to give this order. But again, giving the city every benefit of the doubt in believing that because of another court's decision, we believe we are caught between a rock and a hard place here, and there's nothing we can really do about this. This judge has just given you permission and actually now said you're required I'm anxious to see how they solve this problem or how they start to clean this problem up or what they do. And I I don't know the answer to this but I can tell you we've done everything we can or at least we try to. We do and I'd like to be able to do more to address hunger and to address homelessness. I think it's a community problem. I see it as a community problem. I see it as a problem that just because it doesn't affect me directly that I'm not homeless, I still have a responsibility to my Fellow human beings, to if I can help, help. But you've got to divide out first the people that want help and give everything you can to helping them from the people that don't want help. And they're going to have to be dealt with a different way, but they're going to have to be dealt with. All right, in a moment, we catch you up on the biggest news stories of the day. It's a segment we call Did You Hear This? So hang out for it. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show. KTAR News, 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Let's catch you up on the big stories. Did you hear this? Did you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories.
1: Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Scott Blaney has ordered the removal of tents from the zone by July. KTR host and legal analyst Barry Markson explains some of the issues that the judge discovered in the zone.
2: The court found, uh, including that the city of Phoenix was not enforcing
0: numerous criminal statutes in the zone, uh, that it was allowing not just a public nuisance, uh, but drug use, prostitution, incredible violence.
1: So, what happened to the people who were
0: in the zone? I don't know and that's the issue here is again I, as I said earlier I think that uh, just from my You know, untrained view of homelessness and my connection to homelessness, there are many people that are looking to get out of their situation, that they got into it through circumstances, sometimes out of their control, sometimes they made big mistakes, but they're at a point where they just want a way out. Those people need to be identified and given an opportunity to move back into society, employment and and after that, a residence. But other people that are resistant to any kind of help, the ones that are refusing help, they need to be dealt with differently, And I don't know if that's rehab. I don't know if that is going, you know, taking them to jail. I don't know where they're going to go, but they cannot sleep in the streets. They certainly can't do drugs. And just like any other criminal, if you're doing drugs, you're going to have to go to jail and be put into a rehab program. If you're committing crimes, you're going to have to pay a price for it. And I think that's part of gonna, that's going to be part of the early solution. Long term. I don't know what they're going to do, but now their hand is being forced and they've got to do something.
1: Jim Norton, a managing partner at Garrison 48, explained how much property is left unclaimed by people in Arizona versus how it is returned in Florida.
0: Arizona returns 26% on average of the money that comes in. 26%. Compare that to Florida, which returns over 60%. How do we make sure people get their money back? it got to be an easier process. I will tell you that I went, I didn't know this, but uh, Jim Norton did this for me. There's $2.1 billion, by the way, in property and money that are owed to people in Arizona. You might be one of them. He said 37% of Arizonans are on this list. You can go to missingmoney.com. Um, but I went to the website. I saw that I was owed money and I started to do the paperwork. You have to download a form and you got to get it notarized and then you got to send it in and you got to prove who you are. And there's all these steps. And for a lot of people, you think, I don't even know, it could be 20 bucks, could be 25 bucks. Is it worth my time? There's got to be a more transparent way to do this. And it's got to be easier for people to claim what's right for. I understand needing to identify somebody, but you're going a little bit far in this and I think they need to make it easier. You're listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at this time. We catch you up on the big news stories. Former FBI ASAC
1: Steve Cooper talked to you about school security and the importance of being prepared for any situation.
0: You've got a plan in place to prevent the act from happening, and that's things like having a plan to take action when they notice these concerning behaviors. When they have a student that has a uh, is demonstrating what we call pre-incident indicators. What other measures can schools take? I I think that it's more than just schools, but I think that they need to have identifiers like you just heard Steve say. There's got to be earlier intervention. There's got to be, especially when it's younger children, there's got to be parental involvement and notification and try to get people help. But the idea of identifying the threat, I know that this is politically incorrect now, but there was a saying that goes back decades and it was called going postal. There was a time in America where people working at the post office were acting out violently and killing coworkers. So that's where that phrase came from from so we know it's not just in schools that there are other places where we see incidents in the workplace where this happens when there are people that are reporting this are is there one person responsible for documenting these changes in behavior and then as that crisis team gets together is there a time where intervention needs to happen before an incident occurs and those are the things that hooper talks about and he's such an expert at it (laughs)
1: Nashville Chief of Police John Drake says that the actions of the officers yesterday were heroic.
2: Shots were being fired at, at the police cars. Uh, that did not deter them. They went anyway uh, inside. And really, we could have been talking about a lot more casualties uh, than what we have.
0: What can other police stations learn from these quick actions? I think that this exemplifies what I think the vast majority of police agencies across the country are prepared to do. I think what this does, and I'm just putting myself in the position of the cops I know, is it causes them to redouble their efforts. When a tragedy happens, when an officer is injured or killed on the line of duty, the one thing that cops look at is now you're looking at your own mortality. Is there something that I need to be doing? And most of the time, it's going back and making sure that you're up on your training, making sure that when an incident happens, your training kicks in, that you are as prepared as you can be. I think when officers and deputies and troopers across the country see the video and it's up on all of my social media, it's about six minutes long. What they are going to see is I need to be prepared. That's the way officers think that if I am put into that situation, I want to respond like what I saw in Nashville. Nashville I want to be prepared I want to be ready for that I want to be trained for it and I want to be able to react and let my training kick in and I think that's what they will take from this video uh, great job, Julia. Uh, it's been a very busy news week and it's only Tuesday. We're gonna talk in more detail. I've got audio from that, from what happened in Nashville. If you haven't seen the video, it's, and, and there, some people are putting it up in snippets. I've got the full six minute video and it encompasses two different officers body cam videos. And I'm gonna warn you, if you go to my Twitter account, which is at Broomhead or you go to my Facebook page, which is public, um, it's on my personal Facebook page. You will see the six minute video. I think it's important to see the heroism of the officers, but I will warn you at the end, you do see a life being taken and that is the life of the suspect. So I just want to warn you ahead of time. It's pretty graphic coming up in a moment. We'll get into more details and I'll let you hear a little bit of that audio next. Help make a difference in our community. We would love you to join us in Broomhead's Action Alliance. We are just doing community service projects whenever we can around town and around the valley. If you'd like to join us for some of those, just get on the list. You're not committed to anything other than just getting the uh, events as they pop up. You can say yes to as many as you want to. <clears throat> Text the word ACTION to 411923. 923 That's ACTION to 411-923. We'll just put you on the list and even send you a free T-shirt while supplies last. Uh, I want you to hear a little bit from the Nashville Police Chief, John Drake, uh, talking about a few things that happened. First of all, the motive and what they're learning about the possible motive for this shooting in Nashville.
2: We have not been able to determine a motive as of yet. The, the investigation is very much still ongoing. Uh, we do have uh, writings in a book we consider to be like a manifesto. Uh, we do have a map uh, of the schools. So this seemed to be a well-thought-out, well-planned-out
0: attack that could have been much worse. They were asked, did you find more weapons at the house?
2: We've been to the house on Brightwood. We recovered uh, more firearms at that house, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue picking up what we left off yesterday.
0: We all understand, and I think a lot of us felt a lot of deep sadness, especially someone like myself who holds up law enforcement in such high regard. That what we saw happen in Texas, and I'm not saying this to further denigrate them, I'm saying this to hold these officers up in the highest esteem. That the way law enforcement is expected to respond is based on what I know of the people in law enforcement. And uh, so I want you to hear what the chief had to say about his officers.
2: I've gone through that training myself, and the day that the very First time I went through it, I I told someone that I would get killed or injured. Our officers feel the same way. They trained for that. And this moment happened, and they didn't hesitate at all.
0: Yeah, and that's what he talked about, them going in without hesitation.
2: Shots were being fired at at the police cars. Uh, That did not deter them. They went anyway uh, inside. And really, we could have been talking about a lot more casualties uh, than what we have.
0: That is absolutely the truth. They should be held in the highest esteem. Um, I want you to hear a couple of different things, um, and I'm going to warn you: these are the gunshots. You're going to hear some gunshots. There are two. If you go and go to my social media at broomheadktar, um or you go to. Um, My Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, I don't know if it got put up on the show page yet, but on my personal Facebook page, which is public, you can see it even if we're not friends, the video is on my page. It's a six-minute video, and it's a compilation of two officers, Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Collazo. And what you will see in the beginning of it, the first three minutes is making entry and clearing classrooms, going door-to-door and clearing rooms. They begin to hear gunfire on the second floor. They make their way up to the second floor and this is what you're going to hear is kind of this is from the first video of Rex Engelbert this is how it kind of ended and it, it is it is pretty traumatic even hearing it without seeing it So, uh, as harrowing as that was, there was the first barrage of gunfire you heard, two or three rounds fired, and that was when the suspect was hit and the suspect went to the ground. The second barrage was the suspect was still moving with her hand on the gun. You heard the second barrage of gunfire, and then the officer's giving the instruction move your hand away from the gun. When you watch the video, if you go and watch the video, it is traumatic at the end where you see the results of this. Um, the very first video, you can't really see the results of the shooting. You just see the gunfire in the second part of the video, which is at the very end of the six minute video. You do see the results and you see the suspect being shot. So I'm warning you, even though they do blur out her face, uh, you can't really see the severity of injuries. You do see somebody losing their life. If that's traumatic for you, maybe you don't want to go and and watch it. I'm warning you, but it is something to me to watch the heroism, the professionalism of. And so In a situation where you're untrained, I'd be one of those. I don't have a lot of formal training, especially in clearing rooms and doing things like this. Um, uh, It's heroic to engage and do the best you can. There is a level of professionalism that goes along with this training that you will see if you watch this video. They are um, aggressive, they are assertive, but they are calm. They are moving in precise and uh, precise maneuvers. They are talking to each other throughout the maneuvers, making sure they're covering each other left and right as they go into rooms and clear them. And they're doing it quickly to make their way toward the gunfire. I, I don't think that can be overstated. And for anybody out there, the adrenaline of just watching the video for someone is pretty high. Now, imagine being in that situation. Um, I, I just this has got so many different elements for me. To, to see this video um, I was so saddened by what happened in Texas I I grew up in South Florida um, my and you know just like everywhere else I think most states all of the sheriff's departments are very similar in the colors and the uniforms that they wear and so my brother is a sheriff's captain in in Lee County Florida his wife my sister-in-law Jamie is a deputy their uniforms look very very similar to all the uniforms across the state with the exception of the designation of what county they're from and so to see a deputy that wears a very similar uniform to my brothers in south florida act in a cowardly way and not engage a suspect when the orders were given to do so it's disheartening at the very least it's sad to see because we i hold law enforcement in such high regard these officers in nashville had a complete disregard for their own lives Absolutely. And they didn't do it in a in a maniacal way. This was a very composed, very structured maneuver to get to the suspect and take the suspect out. At this point, when you see it, this this girl was shooting out the window at the police cars on the street. They were she was still shooting at the police arriving on scene. So this this, as the chief is right, this could have ended much worse than it did. Much worse than it did. And so um, to me, this is one of those examples of this is what police work is supposed to look like. And for the police chief, I think you're going to see some national recognition for these officers. They are going to do that. They are going to hate it. Because they do. The officers I know are not looking for any kind of recognition or glory, um, but I will tell you that they acted heroically and you could see how well the training works. When a situation like this arises, your training kicks in. You have to know um, in those moments where you have to react. It's your training. And, man, these these officers do an excellent job of it. It is really – it's exemplary in what they did. Um, So, again, if you want to watch it, it's on my social media. But I'm just warning you, the end, it's pretty graphic. And if that's something that bothers you, then don't watch the end. What we're going to do before we close this out, uh, I want to go back to a local story, and it kind of connects with what we're talking about here. The officer involved shooting in Phoenix at the end of last week is one in a long line of injuries to officers that are uh, injured in the line of duty, shot at, or shot in the line of duty in the city of Phoenix and across this valley. It is a growing problem. But I want to update you on some information and some commonalities, and I think it's a story that needs to be told. So we're going to get To that, coming up here in just a couple of moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News 923 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much. appreciate you being here. I want to update you on something. We are going to always continue, and we should continue to debate how we feel the best way forward is. I am now, it's reduced to, we are trading on social media. I am trading statistics with people, which you all know is so much fun to do. Um, And somebody is talking about how we have more gun crimes than any place in the entire world. So I traded by sending them statistics of the top 10 or 11 most violent countries on the planet that are committing violence. Violent crimes, homicides, and rapes. U.S. isn't even in the top ten or eleven. And so that's where the rub is. But those are the conversations we should be having. We all want to get to the results, which are a safer place to live. Specifically, in Nashville is what we've been talking about and should. You're talking about three children and three adults murdered. Um In Phoenix, it has been open season on law enforcement. Now, it's happened in other valley cities, but there has been a huge number of officers engaged in gunfire, taking gunfire over the last year and a half or so. It is a a very high number. Um, I just talked about an officer named Denise who was – you'll remember the incident where uh, a woman called 911, domestic violence situation. She met them at a gas station, not at the house. So she was at the gas station. The officers met her at the gas station. They're standing out in the parking lot lot and all of a sudden the suspect, the boyfriend, pulls up in a Prius or something, and through the passenger window just shoots at one of the officers, striking her just below her bulletproof vest. She is uh, doing much better, in very good spirits, but going through another surgery. This happened months ago, where we go back to our normal lives, her normal life is recovering still from those injuries. So to keep that in mind as a reminder So here we have an officer pulling up on the scene of a crash and getting ambushed by a guy jumping out of the car that admittedly was on Percocet and other drugs out of his mind, doesn't remember shooting, or at least he says he doesn't. And here's what we're finding out. He is exactly like all of these other cop shooters that we have seen going all the way back to Officer Maldivan, and that is prohibited possessors. They are not allowed under Arizona law to own a firearm because they're convicted felons. Most of them have violent histories. This guy, not so violent, although he had some gun charges, carrying a concealed weapon without a permit and all kinds of other stuff that he's done. But he's a convicted felon, burglary, card theft, all kinds of other stuff. And now he has graduated to shooting a police officer, a pretty extensive criminal record, although not very violent, prohibited possessor, wasn't supposed to have a gun. And oh. Let's put a punctuation mark here, an exclamation point. It was a stolen gun. So I would say to you, we all want these things to end. Why aren't we looking at the same segment of society that does a lot of this nonsense? Number one, number two, why aren't we looking at the people that are not supposed to have guns that do? Why are we giving them a slap on the wrist at any level? Why aren't we talking as a society and saying to the people here, you know, the county attorney's position is an elected position here and why? And I'm not holding her accountable for this, but she's, you know, she's elected to the office. Why are we not saying to the people that we've elected to these offices This is how we want this handled. We want there to be severe penalties for people that are not supposed to have guns that have them. If you are a prohibited possessor and you are found to have a gun, you're going to do some serious jail time. If you have that gun in the commission of another crime, forget it. You are going to go away for a long time. No ifs, ands, or buts. No negotiating. You're going to prison. And we then get them off the streets. Like the D.C. police chief said, if we don't want people getting shot, have these shooters in jail where they belong. The average person that commits a homicide, this is a statistic from that, that police chief in D.C., the average person that is accused of a homicide is arrested 11 times before they commit that homicide. Wouldn't you look at that and say, well, then what are we doing? Don't we need – don't we need – To do something about the people that flout, that just have no concern for existing laws. I respect the people. I just think you're absolutely wrong. And if you look at just objectively for a moment, look at your position. Your position is you need more strict gun laws to help rein this in. Every single one of these people has ignored gun laws. Why would a new law impact them? It doesn't. It doesn't. It only impacts me. And I'm not a danger. That's what's so frustrating to legal gun owners that understand the system, that know what it's like to go through the process and get all these things. You look at so much of this as what people are saying that needs to happen now. None of those things would have stopped what happened in Nashville yesterday. But I can tell you, if we are, and I know that they have done it in the city of Phoenix, if they continue to focus on felons that are not supposed to have guns, you will see a reduction in these kinds of things and attacks on police officers. We also need to start looking at the heroism of Nashville and understand that we've got a lot of men and women that would do exactly the same thing in this valley from the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office to DPS to the police departments, all within the sound of my voice. There are men and women right now that are ready, willing and able that a God forbid a critical incident happened like that in our place would run into that gunfire with a disregard for their own lives and we should appreciate that kind of courage. We should appreciate that kind of heroism, and we should make sure that they have all the training they need to make sure that they do it as professionally as Nashville, and we should do everything we can to let them know we appreciate their willingness. Just my opinion. Um, We are just about out of time. Uh, Please, if you want to see the video, here's my social media. At Broomhead K T A R is my Twitter handle. That's my personal account. Whatever you see on that account is directly from me. At Broomhead show update you on the guests we have on the show and otherwise kind of update you, please follow both accounts. Mike Broomhead all one word on Instagram is where you can find me as well. Um, I would love to keep in touch with you in between shows. It really is a privilege to do that. I try to, you know, I I like the spirited conversation. As long as it doesn't get nasty, you'll keep me engaged. Would love to do that. We start every show just after 8 o'clock and I hope you can join me tomorrow for part of your day like you did today. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow starting at just about 8 o'clock. I'll be doing that hit, and then I'll do it about 8.15. We'll get rolling again. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.